Hey guys, welcome to Bagging Boardcast, episode number 394. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out September 25th. 2019 let's get ready to read then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic and this week it's time for us to look back at some comic books that came out in the month of august 2019 let's get ready to read and these are actually all paul babies because i did not buy the book that i was supposed to i've been bad about buying comic books we'll talk about that when you get into the list and i didn't see any books in august that i wanted to buy actually i I went to buy one of these books, but I bought it on Paul's account. And then I said, ah, I'm sorry, Paul, I'll buy the other book. And I did. And then Paul bought the other book as well. So I, well, I told you, don't worry about it because I was going to pick it up anyway. So, and I, but I still bought it before you bought it. Yeah. I don't check your account. You know why? Because I don't want to accidentally uh, buy it on your, buy stuff on your account. (laughs) Like you're buying books. Yeah, you buy books. Yeah, you're right. You buy books once a month, right before uh, we do look back. That's very true. That's usually how and I also... do it too. And I, I'm sorry, guys. This whole like recording thing. I thought we were talking about something else today. That's why I didn't actually buy the book or read them until I got home from work today at like seven thirty. Hey, it's understandable, it's okay. man. We we put our priorities in other places, like buying beer. Right, yeah, John. That is right. And uh, it is, uh, I guess today got a little colder. We had a nice little heat snap up here uh, in Buffalo. And um, got a little cooler today. So I'm drinking a pumpkin beer. And this Mm -hmm. is from Barrier Brewing Company. This is part of their Kicking Knowledge series. This is a milkshake IPA brewed with pumpkin, vanilla, coconut, and hopped with mosaic, Matuka and Citra. Uh, this is a really nice pumpkin. It's not overly pumpkin. It's got a nice little pumpkin spice with the little vanilla kick and just a slight little bitter on the back end. Um, it's nice. I have been sitting here drinking it um, since, I don't know what, we've been talking for 45 minutes. Um, because of technical difficulties, and I'm almost through my entire glass. Um, oh. It's a nice, it's a nice drinker. Um, it kind of makes you want to go back for another sip. Ooh, nice. Seven percent. I saw that uh, Two Roads has a pumpkin beer out, aged in bourbon barrels with aged, vanilla beans. Aged in rum barrels. Oh, rum barrels. And we had that last year uh, oh. at a game night, Paul, and we all agreed it wasn't very good. Oh, cool. So I'm glad I asked about it, because I don't remember it. But I was excited, because I'm like, oh, Two Roads does good stuff. Maybe I should pick up this four-pack. I'm like, I should wait and ask John. My it's a six-pack. It. All right, man. Well, Paul, you're, you're recording on the road, so uh, what are you drinking? I went to a, you know, I'm on the road, but I'm never that far from a Wegmans. So <laughs> I went to uh, the Wegmans here in Corning, New York. And picked up a beer that I can get right around the corner from my house, basically. Uh, this is Hamburg Brewery's Just Saying series, rotating IPA series. They're volume two. And this is uh, Swear Jar. And this is, uh, you know, uh, a uh, fresh IPA. It's supposed to be drank cold, you know, drink fresh, keep it cold, and drink it now. And uh, I have no idea when it was uh, 
actually, oh, the 8, 26, 19. That can't be right. Because that's, so it's a month old. It's just a month old. Okay, eight twenty six. Yep, that makes sense. And it's got a nice, really good uh, kind of passion fruity IPA flavor. You know, very tropical. Uh, it doesn't linger long. And the warmer it gets, the less impressed I am with it. So it's good. You know, it's a fun try. These uh, Just Saying series. I think it's the best thing that Hamburg's done in the past three years. Since we were really impressed with them, like four years ago. It's like the Samurai. and House their, Dressing. Uh, House Dressing, their Black IPA. And also their bourbon age. Uh, Derailer, yeah. Derailer was one. really good. And uh, then they kind of just kind of were mired in like just not great. Just okay beers. Really cool spot to be. I think, but uh, now now they're coming back around with this swear jar and uh, juice box boy is okay. I, I take it or leave it. And uh, they also have another IPA out right now, like that I'm forgetting the name of. That's uh, supposed to be a tropical IPA. But uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, they're coming to Hamburg, coming back around. Yeah, they kind of hit that point where they looked at the people that were at their brewery and were like, oh, these people like, you know, the small town Saison, the loggers, this or that. So let's just focus on supplying those people. And then all the other breweries kind of went, grew up around them brewing these IPAs and brewing stuff that people really wanted. And they, Hamburg almost seemed like they're playing catch up. Like, these are beers they should have put out two years ago. Yeah. You know, or put out at least one or two of them and then Juice Box Boy this year. You know, like, they really feel like they're playing catch up. And it almost feels a little bit like they've had a hard time figuring out what their identity is supposed to be. Because they also put out, they're putting out Imperial series of their beers that people liked. So instead of just doing their Blackberry Sour, they did an Imperial version of that. Well, it wasn't as good as their Blackberry Sour, and people all wanted the Blackberry Sour. They did mm-hmm. the same thing with No Lux. Everybody likes No Lux. They just want No Lux, but they put out an Imperial version that isn't the same beer. And it just seemed like they just kept making the just some wrong choices of what they were doing. And it seems like they're kind of back, they're on a, good track now that's my two cents about them cool chris what are you drinking uh, i am drinking a beer from florida hey that's where i live uh, and this is coming from funky buddha brewing and this is their bonita apple bomb uh, and this is a apple pie brown so it Ooh. is a brown ale that's been brewed with apples vanilla and cinnamon it's pretty good. It kind of has that cider bite up front, uh, but then it kind of like mellows out into a brown. Uh, this is the second can I have had of this. I picked up the six-pack the other day um, just because I knew I was probably going to have to rush to get everything done before recording. Um, so I had two when I was playing games the other day, which we'll talk about games in a minute, Paul, because there's something else I forgot to mention before. Ooh, uh, like games. I, I really dig this. Uh, I'm drinking at room temperature, and... It's finally starting to cool down here in Florida. Um, the other night when I went to Galaxy's Edge, it was 70 Ooh. degrees outside, and I was like, this is perfect. Like, 
it, it literally hit me as I was walking around. I was like, I'm comfortable wearing a shirt that has sleeves on it. This is crazy. Um, so yeah, falls falls finally here, and I think this is a good way to celebrate it. Um, oh no, falls out. Chris's guns are in. My guns is in. Uh, I will say the other two beers I picked up, I haven't tried yet. I'm not enthused about them. Um, <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna save it for when we actually talk about it, but these were in a shopping cart near the checkout line at my beer store, uh, and he just took them. Well, I just, I was like, oh, those are good. I'm Sorry, gonna old lady, these are mine. Um, no, it was like one of their clearance carts, you know, with like the. Uh. The printed sign yeah. on the side that says, like, oh, get them now. And it was like $3 for a six-pack, so I grabbed two of them. Uh, we'll see how they turn out. I don't know. I Like I said, I got two six-packs for $6. I'm not, I'm not really excited about them. If they turn out to be decent, okay, you know what? It's money well spent because there's a lot of them in there, and I could sure always grab more. Drinkable? But, yeah, we'll see. Then what we uh, don't need to wait to see anymore is the news because the news happened. And we'll recap it now. I thought we can see the movies. It's yeah, that's what I thought we were going to do. Movie. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Bracket. I spent all that time on Bracket it. Closed, dude. That's, he never goes where you think he's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I zig when he's egg. All right, so let's get down to the official numbers from the 2019. Let's get ready to read at the movies. Uh, summer movie bracket buster <laughs> bracket buster uh, so it's been a few weeks guys since we've done our last update and uh, all the movies are out all no, that's it guys no more movies are coming out for the rest <laughs> of humanity's history <laughs> yep. movies are done Sorry guys about that. this is it Yeah. well movies have been done for a while we've just been doing remakes for the past X amount of years now so just get ready for the reboots and remakes. Uh, well, they're not rebooting or remaking Princess Bride. Thanks, oh, Internet sure. Backlash. Well, I'm happy about Well, you know what? Yeah, I, I got that movie. I'm good. Happy with it. Uh, so we got uh, Spider-Man Far From Home that went up against Dark Phoenix. And Dark Phoenix only made $32.8 million its opening weekend. Which puts it at its at the lowest X Men franchise movie, I believe. Uh, even lower than the origin movies, and one of the lowest movies overall on our bracket. It's in the lower half. And then we uh, had below that we had X Men Black Men, huh, Men in Black International versus Stuber, and Stuber was the lowest opening <laughs> had the lowest opening movie. Uh, numbers on our bracket at 8.2 million. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, our Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, 60 million, which I thought was a very good opening number for that movie, uh, versus Once a Time in Hollywood, which I thought was going to make a lot more money. And John, I think so. You thought so too, at only 41.1 million. This is a uh, what's his name? I don't really like him. Tarantino seemed to like him. Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, I think this uh, had a much lower number than people were expecting. But I don't know. Your thoughts, John, on that? Uh, I didn't get to see it. But, yeah, I think um, I think with today's viewers, it's like, oh, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. I know I'll like it. I'll just wait for it to come out on video. Uh, uh, and I had, like, I knew some people who 
they went to see it two or three times. They were like, they loved it. They thought it was great. Mm. But also, like, nobody knew what the hell the movie was really about. You know, Still and I don't think, know like, what it's about. Yeah, you know, like, you know, like, Inglorious Bastards is a World War II thing where they're they're killing Nazis. Oh, yeah. Hateful Nazis. Eight is a, a cowboy movie. You know that. This is a movie that focuses around an actor that has something to do with him and his stuntman in Manson. Like, nobody really knew exactly what the movie was about. And then there was a lot of backlash about how we portrayed uh, Bruce Lee in it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a movie that people thought they knew what it was about, but who knows what it was about. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Was it about Godzilla beating up all the other monsters or Godzilla teaming up with monsters to beat up other monsters? I don't know. It's a little of both. Godzilla gets his ass kicked a lot in that movie. Oh, by Eleven? No, by, uh, who's the guy with the three heads? I don't know. Who's the the dragon? I'm not not good at... The dragon dude with three heads. But you know who he teams up with and he's got, like, it's his buddy and they're, like, in love? Gamera! Mothra. Oh. It's really weird. He keeps using his healing moth powers on Godzilla. Well, that's because he keeps on getting beaten up. He does. No, who... No, who... You know who took a licking but came back even stronger than ever before? Rocky. Pennywise. The the, the demon clown. And it. And it's not a demon. Too. He's an alien. He's an ancient alien oh. that's been on our world uh, before the humans existed on this world. Oh. That yeah, read a, it even worse. Read a book. Read a book. Read a book. <laughs> At the movies, cool. Paul. <laughs> Cool. Cool cool story, bro. Uh, so, it, chapter two. 91.9 million dollars. Paul going to the movies and it's like a kid's like throwing popcorn and be like, look at that nerd reading the book. The movies for movies, nerd. Well, I should have read a book at the movies. That's what I, how I uh, introduced this whole segment. So, it, chapter two. 91.1 million. I thought uh, that was a really, really strong opening weekend for that movie. It's less than its uh, opening for the original, or for the first one, for part one. See, I thought it would have a bigger of a dip, because, you know, you kind of had to be a person that went to see the first one to go see this one. And I didn't really, you know, I I don't think it had much of a big push. It hasn't, like, been on TV. The first movie hasn't been, like, on TV and built a following to, you know, it's the very next summer. So... Uh, it was on HBO. Was it? Okay. Well, don't have HBO. And it's streaming. Story. You know, it's is a, it on streaming? Yeah, you can find it anywhere. You can buy it on anything. Oh, you can buy it. <clears throat> uh, Toy Story 4 versus The Secret Life of Pets 2. Uh, no surprise, The Secret Life of Pets 2 didn't do that great. And Toy Story 4, pretty strong opening weekend. One, 120. Uh, so that moved on. Lion King, a big surprise for me, $191.7 million versus Aladdin's, which I thought was a really strong number for Aladdin, $91.5 million. Yeah, well, uh, word is um, Aladdin performed better than they expected it to, while Lion King still did a crazy amount of money. Um, 
But of the two, I don't, has anyone else seen them? No, nope. I've seen Aladdin. Okay. Uh, Lion King. And I really a, enjoyed it. Lion King is a great movie. I mean, but if you've seen the Lion King, you you saw this version of the Lion King. Like they don't really do too much different in it. Uh, I have Aladdin on blue right now, and I think I've watched it like three times since I picked it up last week. It's just a fun movie. I'm gonna. Get I liked Lion what King. they changed up. Yeah, I'm gonna get Lion King when it comes out, but I'll I'll watch it a couple times probably. But Aladdin's one that I'm gonna keep going back to, and it's not my favorite of the current batch of the live action stuff. But I I think it's a strong like number two. Like I put yeah. it right behind a uh, Jungle Book because Jungle Book, Aladdin. And then Ooh. probably Beauty and the Beast, and then maybe Lion King. I don't care about like the Cinderella or Maleficent at all. Like those are yeah. whatever. Uh, Cinderella was recently on either TNT or TBS on I think Sunday, and Kate and I watched it, and it's pretty. It's cool visually, yeah, like but... it's got a really nice visual style. Like yeah, but I don't. I think care it just, about that. Much. I think it suffers just because the animated Cinderella is still not that interesting. Like. Right, I don't know. and they didn't do much more than actually name the characters this time. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah, my name is Kit, and my name's Ella. Oh, okay, your name's Ella. Okay, cool, cool. And that was basically the only real change up. And they gave, uh, you know, uh, Lady Tremaine a little bit more of a backstory. Yeah, just a little bit more. Like she's like, I married for love once. The second time I had to marry out of necessity and then he died and now I have to just try to set my daughters up to live well otherwise you know we'll be broke and you're like okay I can understand but you're still cruel as all heck get up uh, anyways I'm, I'm straying off there's a lot to cover here yes. Annabelle comes home which is about a doll that's possessed by an ancient alien that's been here on the earth longer than it's a humans demon. have been Oh, that's a demon? See, Paul, you read those two books wrong. I think someone's flipped over the covers on them. Back to the, why would, back to the future, too. Why would an alien haunt a doll? Like, oh, oh yeah. we really got to get these people. How are we going to do it? Uh, let's go haunt a doll. Aliens. <laughs> why would they be in a sewer dressed like a clown? I don't know. Uh, or... Versus Brightburn, which is uh, the Sean Gunn? Not Sean Gunn. James Gunn? James Gunn. James Gunn. A uh, movie about a very evil Superman. Uh, Who's an alien? Bell. Who's an alien? a doll. But the dolls of a demon that's been on Earth longer than humans. Humans. And talking about dolls. In, in Hollywood. Coming, coming to life and killing things. Full circle. We had Child's Play. Uh, opening up against scary stories to tell in the dark. This is a matchup that surprised me, uh, though I did pick it correctly. Scary stories to tell in the dark made twenty point nine million dollars opening weekend. Child's Play only fourteen million. I thought uh, they would be a little bit higher. I thought uh, the horror movies during the summer were like kind of the thing, and we kind of see that with It Chapter Two making a lot of money, and also Annabelle comes home making twenty point three million. So, you know, overall, horror movies have taken over a substantial part of the bracket. Um, guess any, anything you wanted to talk about there? With nope. uh, I have nothing to add about any of those movies. I, I am excited to see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, though. It is one of those horror movies that I do want to see. 
I think I only saw Spider Man, to be honest. Really? Yeah. You're the movie guy. Wow. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm also a daddy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, yeah, so I saw Spider-Man in the theaters, and then I saw Godzilla on TV. I uh, saw... And I thought Godzilla was kind of stupid. I've I've seen Aladdin. Uh, <laughs> I just I, realized that now. I I'm saw, like, I've seen a lot of movies this I summer. I saw Toy Story, nope. Lion King, Aladdin, uh, Spider-Man. But that, that's enough. All the all the Disney movies. All the Disney movies. It's like I like well, them. Well, also Disney has like a third of the list as well. So, <laughs> and uh, right, so... and you know, with this wrapping up, and with Spider Man being the the runner up for the best movie, the the sad news that you probably already know is that uh, Marvel and Sony have kind of parted ways. Um, I guess there is another meeting coming up with Marvel and uh, Sony trying to get back together and Marvel to continue making Spider-Man movies but at this point Marvel is out of the picture and it's 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 up to Sony to keep making these Spider-Man movies yeah I think Sony has a vision for what they think they can do with the Spider-Man franchise like with all the Reports that they're doing a Morbius, Living Vampire movie, the Venom movie. I think, I think the Venom movie doing so well really emboldened them and said, "No, they can do their own thing with these characters," and you know, well, kind of cut Marvel out of the deal. I I think what it was is Marvel asked for a lot. Uh-huh. They asked I for. I don't think they. I don't think they asked for a lot. I think that they what they asked for like fifty percent of the gross for the movie. So they asked for like well, well, the terms of the original deal were I don't remember the exact numbers now, but basically, Sony paid for everything up front. Marvel got like the five percent of the gross, but had complete creative control over it. Then Marvel came back after Spider Man became like a billion dollar movie, and we're like, okay, hey, you know what? We'll do this fifty-fifty, but that also involved Marvel footing half of the bill at that point. They weren't just sitting there like being like, "Hey, give us more money." They're like, "We're going to start, you know, paying more for this, but we'll also get more out of it." At that point, and uh, from what I hear, like the rumor, hold on, I got a little bit of a nose issue here with some boogies and a tissue. Um, the the thing that m- Sony is going back to the table is they want um, either Marvel to help out with the Venom franchise or they want to have Spider-Man show up in either Venom 2 or 3 and also have their Spider-Man worlds tied in with the Marvel movies somehow. So that would be the... I'm okay with that. And the other side of that deal is supposedly at that point, Marvel will get like 30%. So more than the 5, less than the 50 that they had asked for. But as long as they can still have like some semblance of the creative control, I think that would be better. Because I know I can't remember when it came out, but there was a tweet from the president of Sony about how Marvel was helping them with Spider-Man. And it's basically just like, oh yeah, like we're glad to have Marvel helping because... You don't know what to do with him, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I, 
wish I could find it now. And I guess from what I heard too is Kevin Feige had something to, he helped with Venom for certain things. Like they went to him and asked him things, and he helped with that movie as well. And the Venom movies, it's not, it's not bad. It's not good. It just is. And the best thing about that movie is Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is the only one. He's acting his heart out in that movie. He's trying his hardest to make that movie good, where everyone else is kind of asleep at the wheel around him. And I'm, I'd like to see like Venom Two, with Woody Harrelson as um, Carnage, and with um, uh, Gollum behind the, the the camera. We might have like the chance of a of a good movie. Sure. Maybe. Or it might be overwrought and just like trying to tie into many different things, which I think Sony is prone to do when well, they yeah. have creative control I, with these characters. But you also got to think Spider Verse. That Spider Verse movie is one of the best Spider Man movies ever, and they just let well, that's they because just let a movie happen. That yeah, that's because Sony Animation just was kind of like, eh, well, like we we can make animated movies too, and that was all Chris Miller and Phil Lord doing like the stuff. Yeah. It, it wasn't Sony being like, okay, hey, we're going to do this. It was those two basically directing it and creating everything that happened. Yeah, hit another, down another layer from Sony Entertainment, you know? So it's Sony Entertainment to Sony Pictures to Sony Animation. Because honestly, so here's the list of other movies from Sony Pictures Animation. Peter Rabbit, Angry Birds, Goosebumps... Hotel Transylvania, Smurfs, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Surfs Up, Open Season. They're just happy if it breaks even. <laughs> like, none, I mean, Into the Spider-Verse is something that was so fresh and new and different, and that's just because of the creative team behind it, not mm-hmm. everything else, which, I mean, pretty much everything else they've done is some sort of adaptation of something besides Open Season, Surfs Up, and um, Hotel Transylvania. So those are all just basically like IPs that they're like, okay, you know what? We have the rights. We can make a movie for this. I feel like Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse is the only one that the people making the movie actually cared about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that Peter Rabbit I heard was like really bad, and I heard there's a sequel coming out too. Uh, yeah, a sequel is set to be released February 7th, 2020. So as long as it breaks even, they're happy. Uh, so, yeah. And then uh, just something else that was out there that I thought was really cool was um, Jurassic Park, the the battle of... Jurassic World? Jurassic World. Jurassic World, sorry. We're no longer uh, in a park. <laughs> we are. Uh, and what is it? The battle... <laughs> the, battle uh, the, of, the battle at Big Rock. At Big Rock, uh, which is an in-canon short directed by the guy who's been directing the movies... Uh, Colin Trevorrow. And who's going to be directing the third one. And this is a family who is out at a a, a campground, um, a camp park kind of a thing with other people in motorhomes um, that witness and are attacked by dinosaurs. Um, <clears throat> I thought this was exceptionally done. I, I did not expect this to be 
nearly as good as it was or the production value as good as it was and this is kind of like where the world now is set up in these Jurassic World movies is the dinosaurs are loose in the world they're they're stampeding into your campgrounds mm-hmm. they're showing up like a bear would who's going to try to get into your picnic basket like they're a real nuisance I'm sorry, but it's pronounced picnic basket. Oh, uh, picnic uh, basket. That's a good one. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see Fallen Kingdom. I wanted to, just never happened. But I was luckily able to watch this because hey, it's available on YouTube for free, and it was again really well done. Um, and it made me want to go check out Fallen Kingdom because I know where that movie left off, and this kind of picks up after uh, that, where you know this... dinosaurs are just out and about. This short's better than uh, Fallen Kingdom. I believe it. Uh, it's one of those eventually movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, it. I, I didn't love it. I'll say that about Fallen Kingdom. But I uh, really liked the short, and it made me excited for the next movie. I'll say, like, uh, there's a couple months ago now, um, I was at a bar with some friends, and they had the first Jurassic World on the TV, like, behind us, like, over the pool table. And I found myself just kind of, like, turning around at times being like, oh, yeah, this is where this is where Blue gets turned by the Indominus Rex. Like, I was just watching it, and it's the first one's not bad. It's not great, but I like It's entertaining. Yeah. It's entertaining enough. Uh-huh. It was a breath of fresh air considering two and three of the Jurassic oh, yeah. Park movies. Most definitely. Um, do we have any other movie stuff for uh, for Weekend Geek? Uh, no, no. But Chris, you won. You won I, the bracket. Hey, I, I won the bracket. Yay! It's all me. You get to uh, you get to name next year's bracket. Mm. That's what you. What won. a great prize! <laughs> yeah, um, it's a prize I just made up right now. Uh, well, Paul, what I was actually just going to get too quick, and we don't have to dwell on this yeah. long time. Um, new patch came out for World of Warcraft today, and it ends the war campaign and there's a brand new cinematic that sees Saurfang going toe-to-toe with uh, Sylvanas Windrunner finally. Ooh, I'm going to have it's, to play through it and it's good. actually get to that cinematic. You can play through it or you can just watch it on YouTube. Uh, yeah, if I do that, because... then I won't play World of Warcraft anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that's because, it is right now. Because I know Blizzard, they want people to watch it, so as soon as the patch launched, they still put it out like on their Instagram, their Facebook, and YouTube mm-hmm. because they, they want you to like follow along with the story you know yeah and it's it's really well done and it's a pretty decent length uh cinematic too this is a cinematic that i kind of want to earn in game though yeah. just because like i have two characters that are sitting there at the end of their four campaigns so and uh, uh like i should be able to do that pretty and well, pretty quickly you know pseudo spoilers but you know how they've been presenting you with the choices throughout mm-hmm. battle for azeroth where it's like oh you can side with sylvanas or you can side more with sorrowfang after the cinematic, it does kind of give you a branching quest that plays plays out Ooh. based on uh, what happens and your allegiances. Cool. Then I'm definitely going to have to play through the uh, Lee Sword side. Because mm-hmm. the Alliance side, it don't matter. Everything's sunshine and rainbows. Yep. All right. What else? Is that the news, guys? Or 
Was there, did you guys want to talk about uh, Magic the Gathering Arenas? Uh, no, it's, a, it's okay. Uh, new set's coming out uh, the 26th this week. Uh, it'll be released, actually, IRL, beginning of October, but with the release of Throne of Eldraine, uh, Magic the Gathering Arena is finally coming out of beta officially. Um, it's a great game. Worth worth playing, especially for free. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And also, you got a chance, if you win 12 games in a row, your first 12 games... Using any card in any uh, in any of the decks that are currently on there, you get to get you earn one card from every deck, including the new deck coming out. So that's really cool. Yeah, they're doing a a free event where you basically have access to creating any kind of deck you want. You get a full playset of every single card, and if you're able to progress through and get to twelve wins, you will unlock one of each card. Which you know, for deck builders is cool. Yeah, for 12, win, uh, 12 wins before losing twice. So. Yeah. yeah, for a free event, you know. It's good to... Well, yeah, you got nothing to lose. I'll try it. Mm-hmm. I'll probably only get like two, three wins, but hey, why not? Yeah, if I get four wins, I'd be happy. All right, so there you go. That brings us... Uh, what's our next segment? <laughs> oh, it'd be the list. These are the books coming out uh, Wednesday, September twenty fifth, two thousand nineteen. Let's get ready to read. Sorry, I'm just, I was just got so bored and tired by your guys' conversation. That's okay. We we liked our conversation because we play those games together and mm-hmm. we and we drink and we do other things during it. Too. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, really? What do you do? What are your other things? Jumping? We jacks? talk about our lives. Yeah, and seeing how we're doing yeah, and making sure Chris. Chris survives the hurricane and yeah. stocked up. Yeah. Yeah. Made a Emergency. soup. Maybe we record another podcast on the side that you don't know about. Oh. Yeah. In my face. You got me. Oh, that's the name of it. In, in my face, you got me. He does know about it, Paul. I'm bored. Oh, no. Change your RSS feed. Well, usually we go uh, into the list next. Uh, sometimes we talk about our next beers, though. Oh yeah, let me. I, I, I'll, you guys start talking about your beers. I'm gonna go all the way over there to the fridge in this huge hotel room I'm in to get my next beer. Chris, what are you drinking, bud? What's your uh, 3.99 special? Uh, from Suncrush Beer, I have their Tangerine Suncrush. It is a refreshing, sparkling ale, four uh, percent ABV. Uh, untapped has told me that this is a Kolsch but this is a sparkling ale uh, brewed with crushed fruit, green tea and other natural flavors I haven't had any of those like hard seltzers that everyone's talking about now it's... Jesus what is Paul doing I in the background know. <laughs> I, I feel like he's doing the thing in the background where you make noise to have people think you're doing something else you're like yep I'm doing things. It also sounded like he opened two cans. He opened Um, a can twice. (laughs) I'm walking down the stairs. Kadunk, 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 kadunk. Um, I haven't had any of those hard seltzers that everyone's talking about now. People are crazy for. But I imagine... Uh, My time to talk. I imagine this is what those taste like. And it's not great. Um... (laughs) Because <laughs> no, I had, I had taken a couple sips of it before, and I was like, okay, well, I'm getting like that big, like citrus tangerine pop. It is crisp. It's very bubbly. 
Now I'm getting the green tea on it. Now that I know it was actually brewed with green tea, I can kind of taste that, and maybe that's what's distracting me from it at the back end. Um, for $3, it's drinkable. I put it at a 1.5 on untapped. These are probably going to sit in my refrigerator and just be something that when I get home and I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm really thirsty. Let me just, you know, crush one of these real quick. It's something to drink. It's not something to enjoy. Um, spoilers, again, I picked up two six-packs. Uh, the ones that they had were the tangerine, and then there's also a grapefruit one, which I've drank worse beers on the show. I've spent less for worse ones, too, like that uh, hard coffee one that I had. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. It was like Dudley's. It was like Dr. Like, Xanadu's. It was something stupid like that. Um, but you know what? I drank those. I'll drink these. It just... I wasn't expecting much, but I just wanted to have something else to drink for the show. So, yeah. that That's the one. Paul, what are you drinking? You had to go uh, with Indiana Jones and, and get the idol. And they, they, fought, yeah. they fought Paul Bunyan, who was chopping <laughs> down a tree. <laughs> what the hell were you doing? You're just sl- slamming everything around? <laughs> no. You had to fight I, a I, mugger? Get into your fridge? Well, right now I'm not... I'm in a hotel room, so there's not much space, honestly, here. Uh, so I'm recording while laying so you in na- bed. So you knocked out the other wall to make it a suite. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Pretty much. So I had set down the laptop, so that probably made some noise. And then, you know, just with the cord and everything. And then uh, I had to go over to the fridge, and the fridge isn't that far away from the microphone, so you probably heard that opening oh, up. So. Gr- Paul, everybody heard everything. And I think there was a royal rumble while you... We're getting your beer. Cage match! <laughs> a, Sorry about that. There's a ladder match going on. And that's the, the wrestling I know. That's all I got. So, well, Sorry for the mistake. Uh, <laughs> let me just say. <laughs> that, it, was just, uh, it was just surprising because I'm just like talking about my crummy beer and then also I was like, ba-dunk, ba-dunk, ba-dunk. <laughs> And also, did you open two beers? No, just the one. Because it, like, you, you make a big clumping noise, and then you heard, like, a And then you hear, like, the fridge get slammed shut. You elbowed a dude in the face. And then all of a sudden you hear another can open. And I was like, there's two beers? No, no, just the one. Two buffers? <laughs> <laughs> Inside jokes. So this is from Ellicott Brewery, uh, Ellicott Bill Brewery I Company. I forgot Paul had a beer. <laughs> and this is uh, Brew Paul, to hey, Entertain. Sorry, John, Paul doesn't know that we also have another side podcast where we just talk about the weird things that Paul does. <laughs> it's called News Garden. <laughs> forgot about that. Uh, this is Oops All Berries, and this is uh, brewed with fresh fruit from Allwood Farms. This is uh, Allwood Farms is actually where Kate likes to go to pick up her pumpkins. Ooh. Uh, and also, she's gone and berry picked there before. This is their kettle. Is she secretly uh, picking the berries for this beer? Maybe that would make that would be great because it would bring in extra income for us. Uh, this is a kettle sour, uh, kettle sour aged beers with blackberries, blueberries, and raspberries. Are you trying to say so you want your you wife to be a migrant worker as well as what she does? No, I'm just saying if she's going to go out and pick berries anyways, why not make a little bit money, more money on the side? Hey, 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 
You want me to pick your berries for you? <laughs> That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> that was That was like a Paul joke, Joe. I know. I'm really silly right now after these two beers. Good for you, man. It's because we're recording at like 10 o'clock. That's what it is. Ride ride that wave. My bedtime was 50 minutes ago. Oh, my my bedtime's like three or four hours from now. I'm a night owl, guys. It's a nice, it's a nice light sour. It's not overly sour. I don't get the three mixes of berries, but it's decent. It's no uh, halt who goes there which was a beer that I was going to have on the show. And then John canceled the show, so I drank it with Chris instead during the In Your Face podcast. I didn't cancel it. I just said I couldn't record that day. Yeah. Okay, well, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But the Halt Who Goes There is a much better sour, and that's for 42 North. So if you can find that... You can. It was only released at the brewery. Well... If you're local, fine. John, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking from Greater Good Brewery. Uh, This is America's first all-imperial brewing company. Uh, I am drinking their Pulp Daddy. This is a juicy, hazy New England IPA with nectar of the hop gods. This is a 16-ounce can coming in at 8%, and this is absolutely delicious. Uh, I think... This is one of the best beers I've had this year. Super juicy. Super crushable. Uh, 8%. I'm almost done with the glass. And I opened this up before we started doing... I don't know. You guys were talking about some bullshit stuff during the news. Um, But this beer is just really, really delicious. And it's like when you think juice bomb, this delivers in that realm of beer and it's made me quite silly hmm. that's that's fun yeah being silly is fun you know what else is fun the books that we're looking forward to coming out tomorrow September 25th no. Paul, Paul thought we were going into the dramatic reading I did <laughs> I thought we did those books already Oh my goodness, this well, episode's taking forever. Well, it's okay, because, well, you know what, guys? We also I'm, haven't done a full episode in a long time. It's all been not, not. It's true. Uh, well, you guys, you know what? I'm looking forward to a book coming out tomorrow. Wait, September is it a 25th. Star Wars book? It is not. It's basically oh. just me saying, like, you know what? I need to get better about buying comic books, because there's only one book that I have coming out tomorrow, and that's Detective Comics number uh, 1012. But like we said up at the beginning of the show... I've just gotten really bad about buying books. Uh, my days off have just become devoted to either like going to the theme parks or playing Magic the Gathering Arena or now Borderlands 3, which I'm absolutely loving both those games. But man, I, need, I just need to get back to reading comic books. So my pick is Detective Comics number 1012 and then all of the books that I've let down over the past month and a half. I'm sorry. Ooh. Which which oh, books have oh, you bought down? Which everything I haven't bought. It's oh, okay. It's a month and a half worth of pull lists and uh, look back fodder that's just sitting in a wish list. Good luck. Thanks. 
that uh, that expense. I'm going to be picking up Power of X, or is it Power of Ten? Who knows? Uh, oh, we'll talk about that. Yep. Written by uh, Jonathan Hickman, longtime fan. I've been a longtime fan of Jonathan. I thought Hickman. you were saying he, he's uh, been a longtime fan of us. That's what I thought too, and I was like, "Oh." And that's why I quickly corrected myself because I'm like, "It's going to be taken by the the wrong way." Uh, taken. And uh, this is just continuing the story that we're going to be reading, uh, talking about pretty soon. Uh, in our main topic, so we will talk about it more then. John, what are you reading? Uh, I am looking forward to White Trees, a Black Sand Tale, <clears throat> and this is by Chip Zardinsky. Chris Anka and Matt Wilson. I like all of those creators. A miniseries premiere, exclamation point. Acclaimed Daredevil writer Chip Zardinsky teams up with superstar runaway artist Chris Anka and Matt Wilson for this spectacular oversized two-issue miniseries in the fantastical world of the Black Sand. Peace was hard won, and three unbending warriors carry the scars to prove it. Now, almost 20 years later, their children are missing and war is on the horizon. Can they put aside their memories of the war and each other for one last adventure? Well, we're sure going to find out for four ninety nine. We need to do your uh, trade policy <laughs> before we can do this one. But different a... books, because that's Black Sad. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was the that's same thing. That's a French... That's a French novel. Or the yeah. French uh, graphic <clears throat> novel. No, I called it Black Sand, but it's Black Sand. Paul pointed Sorry. out how, Paul pointed out to me how big of an idiot I was with it, so no, it's it's no. okay. This was wondering. I, I didn't realize I thought it was the same. Because you book. have both. Because <clears throat> I had I I already I think I already had Black Sad, but I'm not sure. No, I think I I think I bought it. I bought it a long time ago, and I, yeah, I thought I John picked, had it. I picked it for I picked it for the for the trading policy because I was like, man, I've had this forever, and I really want to read it. Oh, okay. And speaking cool. of things I want to read, and now a dramatic reading from X Factor Epic Collection, page eighty-eight, panel one. I'm slab. I'm a nasty boy. I'm here to kill you. Any special reason? Why does a man climb a mountain? Masochism? And that was a dramatic reading from X Factor Epic Collection. Page 88, panel 1. Remember when Paul bought that book and tried to make us read it? Yeah, we told him it was too long. And we weren't going to? That's what you guys say about all my books. Wait, here's so. the thing. He's found a way to make us read it by just making it as uh, dramatic. I'm making you guys do it every oh, panel. Man. He's night forcing it's, it's us. the new night force. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because the last time I had somebody read a page, it was the previous panel. Was it really? Yes. Oh, God. And you said this is page 88? Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't pick the third of the book. I picked one third. So, guys, geez, that, we, well, we know there's panel. at least eighty-seven pages before it too. He's gonna <laughs> lost yeah. us, and we're gonna have to go back. I'd, I'd threaten him with the Dark Phoenix, but he liked that saga. <laughs> I read it, liked it. 
But anyways, well, we uh, we read yeah. some other X Men books this month. Yeah, is that where you guys want to start? Um, well, I think both of these books are well, all four of these books are Paul babies. Uh, I didn't list them at the beginning of the show, but uh, it's time for us to head into our monthly look back. We're going to be looking back at some of the books that came out in August 2019. Let's get ready to read. Uh, and for this, we actually have House of X number one, Powers of X number one. Marvel Comics 1000 and Absolute Carnage number one. So, Paul, uh, I, I think it's best to talk about these X-Men books because yeah. these are kind of the ones that I was most interested in. Yeah, this is... Uh, so let's start with House of X number one because uh, I don't... Because I have not uh, actually paid attention to the checklist of how to read these books. Um, apparently, I... Powers of X is what you're supposed to read for. First, I think it was. Oh, really? Cause, really? Hold on, let me. Because it's on the, the very book. back, and it is very much a Jonathan uh, Hickman book. Jonathan Hickman book, where you kind of have to do homework as you're reading it, because okay, no, House of X number one comes first, then Powers of X, and then it's yeah. for future reading purposes, House of X number two, Powers of X number two, Powers of X number three, House of X, House of X, Powers of X, House of X. Powers of X, House of X, Powers of X. So it's not even just like a clear, like, oh, you know, alternate between the two because some months it seems um, one of them ships before the other one, so you have to read that one yeah. first. So there's some double shipping going on here, some other alternate shipping. Yeah, this is a. Uh, it gets a little Jonathan Hickman here. Uh, House of X number one is, uh, is the house that Xavier built. Uh, Written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Pepe uh, Larza, uh, color art by Mart uh, Garcia, and letter. I won't get into all that. So this is kind of weird because it opens with uh, people picking and planting weird flowers, and all of a sudden, like a very strange uh, celestial or sinestro, uh, yeah, cerebro-clad uh, Professor Xavier kind of like floating weirdly down and and saying uh to me my x-men uh it's it's weird because it's basically a tour of uh the new x-men sanctuary which is karoka which is that living sentient uh, krakoa which remember x-men deadly genesis it's like the island that the X-Men originally died on, but somehow clones of them got made. Well, wasn't that also a big part of the X-Men book that we really liked to Wolverine and the X-Men? Wasn't the school built on the grounds of Krakoa, or am I thinking about right. something else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was built, but it was also part of New York City at that time, too. Like, right outside of New York. Jean Grey, yes. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an island that has been around and now we're getting some new powers for this island like it's able to grow seeds and flowers that are gateways that only mutants can travel through it can develop seeds that can be turned into medicines that will uh, elongate humans lives and cure all diseases or mental illnesses and uh stuff like that and there's uh yeah so, and basically, world leaders are being like, okay, we really do want access to this, these great drugs because they're awesome. 
uh, I guess we have to deal with these mutants. Well, it, and it's more uh, Xavier extends an invitation to them, be like, no, like come recognize us as a new sovereign nation, and we'll give you access to these miracle drugs uh, <laughs> that can. There's three things for humans, three things for mutants, because um, it interacts differently depending on your your nature. Uh, and of course, every country's like, "Yeah, we want, we we want this shit." Yeah. And uh, but the humans, of course, are you know building up their own defenses up in a satellite, and they built a like a satellite around a old uh, sentinel head. And you know, maybe they'll play a part in uh, what happens in the future. We're still seeing some. Uh, some roads that are going to converge as we take this tour. So overall, I did like the standoff between uh, the Fantastic Four, of course, and the X Men. Yeah, so I thought that was great. I, it's very Jonathan Jonathan Hickman. I really enjoyed this and Powers of X, and they almost feel like I mean they're obviously meant to be. <clears throat> read together. If you're not reading Powers of X and House of X together, you're missing half the story. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I thought the art really worked. Um, I'm interested to see where this all yeah. is going. Because it's like, is this Professor X? Is this, like, I, I don't know. Are these really the X-Men? Because it looks like they were birthed out of that plant. Because you think the one, I, I, it makes the mm-hmm. one look like it's Cyclops, because his eyes kind of have like a little sparkle to him. <clears throat> so it's like, are these really the X Men? What is going on here? What's going on with other stuff? Obviously, Magneto is. He, well, yeah, he's the I, ambassador. I keep getting uh, the two books mixed which... up, but it doesn't matter. We're going to review the next one after it, but. Like Magneto, you think is like not on board that he's doing his own plan, but there's obviously Xavier is kind of not as truthful with what he's telling people as from what he was really doing. Kind of working both sides, mm-hmm. but uh, I I really enjoyed both of these books. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. This was the first of the House of X, Powers of X that I read. And getting right into it, I'm like, okay, this it reads as a Jonathan Hickman book. It's very verbose. Like, there's a lot of panels. And you do get that notion that everything that everyone is saying is important. But sometimes, like, halfway through the page, I'm just like, okay, what can I glean from what's already been said and what the art's saying? Okay, let me move on to something else. Because uh, I think both this book and Powers of X do what I love and what I hate about X-Men books, where, one, it's doing big things with the characters that I know and love, and that's what I like. But then, two it's trying to introduce a bunch of other stuff that I don't care about because it's distracting me from the characters that I know and love, which is what Powers of X was. Uh, I was on board for every single page of 
House of X, except for the stuff with them on the, uh, like the satellite. Because I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. They're just doing shit to undermine the X Men. Okay, like keep yeah, going. They're and the baddies. And, and you keep going, and it's like, okay, and then I have more Jonathan Hickman ho- homework where it's like laying out what this organization is, and then it's like, okay, mutants back into it, ready to go. Um, I do like that it's the X Men building their own culture because we've had them have their own land or island before with Genosha. Uh, we know mm-hmm. how that blew up in their face. Ha! <laughs> X Men continuity jokes. Um, also, the stuff with uh, Cyclops talking to the Fantastic Four, one of my favorite moments in this book because it's right in the middle of that that you get reminded that, yeah, Franklin Richards is an Omega-level mutant. And as soon as like Scott's walking through the portal where he's like, oh yeah, you know, tell Franklin we say hi and let him know he's got family waiting for him here. We're seeing a very different take on the X-Men now, and I know that's what this book was really kind of sold as, where it's Jonathan Hickman, you know, bringing back the X-Men in a big way. And I think this book works, while Powers of X is just, for me, that kind of got dredged down by the promise of what it's trying to do. But I, I loved... I love this one. Like this is my number one. This It'd be my number spoilers. one too. My number two is wow. is Powers of X. I liked it. This is a time jumping romp through the X Men uh, continuity, and uh, we start off with, and and there is a question here because they every time uh, it it uh, jumps time, we're we're given like X Prime or is that X two the power one which is ten. Because X is ten, and then we get X two, which is which I say a hundred years in the future. So that's X to the two, two power, ten to the two power is one hundred, and then X three, X well X cubed, is you know one hundred years in the future. So are these three different realities, or just the future of the current reality that we're we're viewing? Well, I, I think they're trying to sell this as. The, no, this is the future of the X Men as it's being told now. Like, because it starts off with a flashback. Like, this is X Men when Charles first starts out, and then you get the X yeah. uh, Cube, so which X is to the power of zero, which, which is X year one. Yeah, and then you get the X. Um, <coughs> sorry, I have to like look at it again. Because um, then X, X squared, X squared. Well, no, because is you have X zero, which is the the past. X1, which is currently now, because they're saying, like, this is... X-Men have existed for 10 years. Then you get the 100 years, and then you get the 1,000 years, which... uh, Okay, like, the X0 stuff is kind of interesting. Um, The X1 stuff is where it's really interacting with everything else, but then the other half of this book, with the like, the 100 and then the 1,000 years jumps, I... I don't care about any of that stuff because I want to see the rest of the the continuity in X1. Yeah. And like they do have a way of tying it back in with the uh, Jonathan Hickman homework pages where it's like, okay, here's the backstory on who these people are where, you know, Sinister's creating Chimera X-Men and that's who mm-hmm. these people are. And it's like, okay, like, that's cool. I, 
I like seeing these characters, but then as soon as I kind of got into that story, we're we're paying more attention to Nimrod and whoever Red Girl is, and it's like I I I don't care about that, and that literally just goes on for like pages. It's and not pages that many pages, pages. Uh, but I really liked the it's... Nimrod. <clears throat> yeah, he seems like yeah, he's got it's not just a robot, and not just. That's ah, a shame we did this to you, but we live and we learn, and we'll kill our mistakes. And oh, we need to do this. Oh, ooh, ooh, can I put him in my juice? Can I do? You know, like I, I liked, I liked this Nimrod. I liked this. I know it. It's mm-hmm. it's seven pages of that though. Yeah, it's seven pages. Right. Seven pages of a comic book. It, it, I really it, like it, it. It's seven pages when there's, I don't know, and this is like all personal. This is for me, like seven pages out of a book that had a bunch of other stuff going on that I liked more. Well, then you can just read your Power of X or your House of X and be totally lost. Totally lost. At the oh, end. I'm gonna. Because you need to read it all. You need to read your homework to for the payout. It's not going to pay out if you don't read it all. And you got to read it in order. And I, I'm just going to say I'm pronouncing, I'm pronouncing the word talking about the homework. K H E N N I L is kennel, right? Yeah. Because that's that's how you have to pronounce it. That's kennel. Okay. Just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page there. Like there's some homework pages like that one I skipped. I'm like, no, I kind of get it from the word. <laughs> It's just like, yeah, that's where the the mutants are being bred to be hunters, which is a long-standing, you know, thing because uh, Blink was one of those kind of mutants. Like she was a hound. Like that's uh, so was um, Rachel Summers Rachel? too. Yeah, Rachel Summers. Yeah. So you know, th- he's playing with a lot of tropes or a lot of things that have been in the X Men realm before, and he's trying to give it new. Give us a new perspective on it, I and, guess. That, and that's what makes me think that this is like, again, that proposed like future. Like this is drawing from what's yeah. happened in the in the past, or you know, the current. If you want to look at it, X Men. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought I, I did enjoy the uh, glimpse into the future, uh, the post-apocalyptic, nihilistic future is always what the X-Men are always up against and somehow the X-Men always help create it but they fixed it they fixed it in the end it's a future past age of yeah age of apocalypse <laughs> like yeah do they though because we always end up back these bad bad futures well it's because they need to relaunch it that's true all right, so uh, what, what, what? I enjoyed it. I thought it wasn't as good as House of X. Yeah, I mean, but, I, uh, the parts I'm I enjoyed, that I picked I, up. I really enjoyed, though. I'm glad I've been picking up uh, the rest of these books, and I look forward to reading them soon. I will. Read I don't them. think you've picked them up that. because at the end of every ep- issue, it was like, "Do you want to buy this next issue?" No, he right, he, he has them because I saw them in the account. Like a lot of yeah. them are there. I might have missed... No, I should have... Yeah, I have House of X2, House of X4, maybe I missed House of X3. But maybe I missed Power of X? <clears throat> Did you just buy them? Two? I don't know. It's a lot. No, no, I bought them like, when I bought the rest of the books. 
Yeah, you're, so, missing, you're missing Powers of X number two. Okay. And then House of X number two. Unless you bought them after... No, I have House of X two. Yeah, okay. And, and four, so I must have missed... But what about Marvel Comics Anyways. 1000? Which is just a book to promote a new series Ooh. that they're creating. They fooled you. Is it the... Well, I I think this did a good job of celebrating the past 80 years of Marvel Comics. I think it did a good job where it is an anthology book where each page is a different creative team tackling an impactful or important story from that year in Marvel Comics, starting off at 1939 going through today and possibly the future. Um, Mm -hmm. But as soon as... As soon as I learned what it was, I kind of started cherry-picking which pages I cared about, because I would kind of skim through it and be like, oh, I don't have anything invested in this character. I don't need to read this one. And, you know, go, go, go. Oh, it's like, oh, Doctor Strange. Okay, let me read yeah, this one. Yeah, and then the ones the ones you're interested and in reading did the laundry. are like just five panels and no dialogue. But this book is selling the Black Rider or the Thunderer or the Dark Avenger. That's what this book is selling. And you think it is just an anthology. Yeah. And it is, but it also is really promoting the hell out of you getting interested in who are the other X-Men. You know. And the the Science Science Society or whatever they're called. Science Squad. And this mask that is going to play a big part in whatever the next big storyline. The Eternity Mask. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you hit this beat, this beat, this beat, but it is really just selling this mask that nobody's cared about ever. Well, and that's why I think it's good to cherry-pick through this one, because the ones that I read and enjoyed really had nothing to do with that because it was just kind of paying homage to those characters or those stories from the past 80 years. Um, I, and I think that's what the strength of this book is when it's highlighting those creators, characters, stories. That's when this book really, like, it really hits me. It's like, wow, like, okay, like, this is cool. This is fun. Um, again, like, I'm just kind of flipping through it and the ones that I'm stopping at are the ones that I'm like, oh yeah, I, I read this, like this was great. Uh, like the one from 1962 where it's the Professor Cold Call written by yeah. Phil Lord and Chris Miller who did the Spider-Man movie uh, art by Javier Rodriguez where it's uh, now Spider-Man Peter Parker calling a doctor and telling him about hey, I got bit by a spider, now I have all these powers. And the doctor would be like, no. Are you on LSD? You're probably on drugs. And then it turns out, like, oh, it's Doc Ock. Like, being like, hmm, weird. It's those moments that, like, I really enjoyed this book. It's There's some really good stories in here, but then the characters or like, properties I just don't care about. I'm like, uh. Then it's like, last panel, oh, there's the mask. Like, doesn't do a lot. Yeah. I, I think the overarching story doesn't do much but it was interesting to like basically make this mask the what what it run uh run for force gump 
of the Marvel Universe all of a sudden. Like, he's been everywhere, always in the background, this mask. And this is a cool power set. Like, if you wear the mask, you become the equal to anybody you're fighting. Oh, see, I didn't get that because I didn't read enough of it to care. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's like, you know, like, if I would, of course, if I am a highly trained fighter and I fought, like, somebody lesser than me, like, I'm not going to become worse of a fighter. But if I'm definitely outmatched by somebody, I'm no longer outmatched by them because. I'm and then the, they brought in the the one, <coughs> like, sorry, like Agent Forty Two or whatever the Shield Agent, um, who Paul and you and I read the it was the Winter Soldier book where they're on the train together and he's being hunted by Winter Soldier, like that's where I know that character yeah. from, and they tie him in here, and then they just throw this one extra guy that's like, this is a guy that came out of hiding because of the secret society and the mask. You're like, okay, that's nobody who's ever been a mainstay in the Marvel Universe. They're just really bringing in characters to showcase what this new book is going to be. And I realized that, like, halfway, not even halfway through this book, like, oh, they keep bringing... Oh, it's like four pages and then, in. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, this. They fooled us by thinking this is just an anthology of the Marvel Universe. They're selling us something doing this. And I, like, yeah, there's some really cool little beats and throughout this, but. The Farmer. Oh, the Galactus one? Yeah. But even, oh, like, the. They're like, oh, we did this one because this is when the first Iron Man movie came out. Like,. Even the history of what they're putting out there, just like mm-hmm. this was, yeah, the Deadpool movie. It just was, was like it just feels weird. like it was a really bizarre cash grab that made you want to buy this because it's the history of the Marvel universe and these pages. But they're but, really selling you a new series that they're making. No, but that it has to be that at the same time. Though, like I can understand that from the publishing standpoint, like not just pay homage to what's come before, but to set up what's coming next. Like we've gotten that from like DC stuff before too. when they've done their like $1, like special, yeah. uh, like the 80 cent specials. Like I, I can, I, I can give Marvel too much. credit for it because they have a whole page devoted to speedball in 1988. Like yeah. as much as this is like, Hey, like, oh, guess what's coming in twenty twenty? You'll find out who the the masked writer is. There's enough pages of like, I don't even remember the character's name. Like, Tessa Teapot, who's like, oh, the, uh, Tessie, the, 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 the girl on the go. Like, yeah, and Tessie then, the typist. When when I stopped in nineteen ninety one, which is the Force of X done by uh, Rob Liffield, because I'm like, man, nineteen ninety one. He's been drawing these characters for so long. He and hasn't gotten any better. Yeah, like looking at Cable's gun hurts my head because it's like the way he's holding it. There's no trigger, <laughs> first of all, and then like the the barrels of it are like at a weird angle. So if he's holding it straight, he's like pointing it down, and then he's just got like weird blocky legs. I I thought it at first. I, I was know, like, again, oh, I can somebody's understand. somebody's doing it. To make it look like that, and then I was like, "Oh no, it's just the guy. It's just the guy oh. that did it." Oops. 
again, I can I can understand, like, yeah, you know, X-Force is a huge part of that. Rob Lefield, again, like, created that, so it makes sense. <sighs> Did you guys read uh, Red 4? Yeah. Soul, oh, Star I, Wars one? As soon as I That's saw, one like, of the best Star, Star Wars, Wars. I was like, yeah. That was one of the best Star Wars things I've read in, uh, read in a long time. Just uh, a, <laughs> a bunch of rebel people. Yeah, a bunch of rebels think they uh, killed Darth Vader by Red 4, decided to take a like a suicide kamikaze run at him, knocks out his ship. They're all standing around the rubbish being like, hey, though, you know, I can't believe she did it, but hey, at least she knocked out Darth Vader. Like, this is going to swing the whole war in the Rebels, uh, the Rebel Alliance's favor. You know, so many systems are now that are going to join the Alliance. And then all of a sudden they hear rumbling from the wreckage. They're like, no. And the Vader emerges and he goes, yes. And he lights his lightsaber. Uh, at which point my wife would just start shooting at him like a wild woman instead of just running. So I think this this book's like middling for me. Like this is No, it's it's it shouldn't be middling yeah, it's like because $10. I think it costs it's like $9.99. $9. It's 9.99. Well, not... oh, I thought it was 8.99. Not not Ooh. having paid that though, like the, <laughs> the the stories that I like, I'm like, "Oh, you know what? Like I really enjoy this." And then a lot of them I just flip past and care about because going through it again like the the Blade one uh, Blade mm-hmm. Week by Jim Zub with Nick Bradshaw it's literally just seven panels of Blade killing vampires and then the last one is Sunday where he's just like hanging his out pug. on his couch reading a book does he have like a dog in the picture with him it's, uh, a, it's a cat but again that's yeah, from, because, yeah. from 1972 where Tomb of Dracula is launched um it's oh, there's there's Red Four again. 1977, Star Wars number one becomes the first uh, Marvel comic since Golden Age to sell over a million copies. Great story. There's enough good stuff in here that if you're reading it yeah. for free because a friend picked it up, like it's fun. Uh, we're calling him Ben, the Brad Meltzer, Julian yeah. Tatino Tedesco, 1984, where it's like Spider-Man saves someone, like a pregnant woman, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, what's your name?" Like we want to name our son after you. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not telling you my name. And he's like, oh, it's Ben. And then you just have all these other families that are naming their kids Ben because they've been impacted by Spider-Man. Like, there's some really good moments in here. It's just, you get the Howard the Duck hostess fruit pie one. Like, there's there's, there's, there's some there's good, good stuff, stuff in, in here. here. It's like, just, I just feel like there's good stuff in there. And if they just did that, if they just did those things acknowledging the past and not trying to set up a new character and story I think I would have been happy paying the the ten bucks for the history of that I mean we had that we really enjoyed the um, that X-Men thing where they took the past and they they told a story of it and they're and they're doing yeah, that grand, with grand Fantastic oh, well, Four. Like those design. are things that I paid the money for, and I really enjoyed them taking taking a look at the past of what Marvel Comics was, and retelling it and doing it in a way to make you be a fan. You you know you're a fan because we've been reading these books. Well, I I've been reading comic books for almost thirty years. 
you know, more than 30 years. Okay, well, so, so 2019 is the page that ends with Eternity. The last five or four pages, because they give you, like, the back, um, like, in memoriam. Actually, it's not even the last four pages. It's, like, literally the last three where it's, like, coming soon, like, where it's talking about the mask. And then you get the full creative teams and then, like, I like the fact that they do the in memoriam where it's everyone that's worked on a Marvel comic that's passed away in the back end. Um, if that was just cut out from the book, though, how would you feel about the previous, like, 84 pages? Yeah, if the mask stuff was out, I would probably appreciate it a lot more because there are some really great things. And I did cherry-pick some of the stuff, like you said, Chris, or I, I would see what it was about. I would read the thing of, like, 2017... You know, the first appearance of Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 2. And then start, like, reading it. What do you regret? And, you you know, you read those books, but then it's also like, why is that? Th-? You know, like, some of the stuff is like, why is it there? And, like, the, the Iron Man, Doctor Doom one, where it's like, they were fighting over this thing, and Iron Man lost to Doom, but he goes home to his family... You know the Avengers family, and he goes home and he sleeps with a woman, and then Doctor Doom is putting a canister on a thing, and then it just shows him sitting there with the canister all alone. Like, all right, what did that? Like, what did that tell me? Well, for for you, that probably didn't matter, but that's probably someone's yeah. favorite Iron Man or Doctor Doom story. Like. I got excited when, I don't remember what year it was, but there was the page for Elsa Bloodstone. Oh, 2002, because that's when we had just gotten, well, not just when we got back into comics, but when we got back into comics hard. And I remember picking up that series, and I remember really digging it. And then when they launched Next Wave, Agents of Hate, being like, oh, Elsa Bloodstone's in this. I like that story. Someone else is probably having that same reaction to this. Where it's like, what in two thousand two, there was nothing else going on. And you have to bring up Bloodstone. I I think this book is for Marvel Comics fans. You might not be fans of everything that they do, but mm-hmm. for every page that I'm like, oh, don't care, don't care, don't care. Deadpool, don't care. Then I get to nineteen ninety eight's The Devil's Brand, where uh, Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmiotti are doing Daredevil again. I'm like. Oh, it's fun. It's Daredevil talking about how funny is people yeah, call and, him Daredevil. And it's nice like, because that little bubble does say, which it's super hard, like you got to search for it, but it does say like in this year is when the those two guys launched, you know, uh, Marvel Knights. Mar- yeah, Marvel Knights. And I, and I, and I, I kind of like that because I don't want to say it was a scavenger hunt, but I was kind of like, okay, you know, why is, why is this story important? You know, and you got a lot of like, oh, you know, this year, Agents of Atlas number one came out, or the Clone yeah, and, Saga. And those started. things I really enjoyed. And there are things that are those beats that are for those Bloodstone fans. There's those fans for the X Force fans. There's those fans for there's a fans for everything where it's going to shine a little bit lighter, and there's going to be the things that don't don't hit. I just think for ten dollars, you got it's a some of it is a cash grab that they're making you read to get ready for their new series. And I just think it's a, it's a little bit of a, it should just be that this is our 80, 80 year, you know, look back on our, 
Could they have cherry-picked some of the stories, put those together, and offered it on Free Comic Book Day? And it would have been a much I better think so. I, like, offering? I think, I think it would have been a little bit better that way than just shoehorn... Like, it really is just feels like it's shoehorning in this mask saga throughout everything. See, I, I think the closest thing we would have gotten to something like this before, besides just, like, the regular anthology series that we do get every year and they do have a bit of a higher price point because you know there's a lot more creative teams involved it's a little bit more prestige I think something like the the Lucy guys oh my gosh the 80 cents infinite crisis one oh, yeah. or not infinite crisis the blue beetle one where he got shot was that oh infinite well crisis? Count down to infinite yeah, crisis yeah count down. Yeah. like Again, that was an 80-page story that was setting up something that came over the upcoming year, but you only spent 80 cents on it. That wasn't like a whole tapestry of Marvel, or I should say, uh, Marvel or DC history. I, I think this book's trying to straddle that line, and I know I didn't spend the money for it, but I think if I had spent what I did, I liked this more than the last DC anthology Halloween whatever I bought for like seven ninety nine. I think this was a stronger uh, book. It there there hasn't been a good yeah, anthology since like what two thousand nine DC Halloween anthology. There they haven't I I we keep buying these. Paul always buys the holiday anthologies and they're always a bust. Oh, we, we love anthologies. We, like anthologies. we do, but Paul's been buying them and yeah. they've been a bust forever. Except for like the one where it was like Supergirl and Damien on Halloween night doing, you know, doing a thing. Like there was, it was Batgirl. This it was a uh, oh oh no that was an anthology that was a, an actual <laughs> Superman Batman <laughs> crossover issue. Uh, I I was thinking you were talking about the issue where Supergirl and Oracle basically. Oracle taps all the phone lines so GCPD doesn't get any phone calls and Supergirl just basically takes yeah. care of everything. Yeah. It... For the whole day. And like Commissioner Gordon's like, this is weird. Are the phones working? Phones are working? There's just no crime in Gotham today? Super weird. Well, I guess let's yeah. all get I mean, lunch. But it, it seems like it's been a long time. We've been searching for those and... great anthologies. And we've done, we've reviewed them on these shows in the last couple of years, and they they've never been <laughs> solid. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's no because there's never anything in there where that's like redeeming. I I think this has enough in it to redeem. Like there's some yeah. f- like good fun stories in it, and then all the ones that I flip past that do lead up to that stuff. Yeah, they don't matter. But again, that's something that I wouldn't have cared about to begin with. I think a fair price point for this would be 5.99 or 4.99 though. Yeah. No, I, and I'm I saying, can understand that. And I'm I'm putting 4 5.99 on there just because I know that the first X-Men books, both House of X and Power of X were 4.99 and these are all their books continue to be 4.99 for Power and House. So it's kind of like the cost of doing business now. Yeah, I, I knew, a couple of years ago we were drawing the nine line at two ninety nine. Now it's just like, nope, 
price has gone up yet again because there's not enough people buying comic books to well, make this a, a like, viable option. Also, for like to me, like the, the House of X and the Power of X are like those are premium books. You're getting a a premium story that yeah that somebody's put prestige a yeah. lot of thought into everything that's going into these books, um, and with with high caliber artists and some of those books you're going to pay that I paid I think four ninety nine for the old man Thor book, you know, that's number one, you know, like if it continues to be that price, I'm not buying a lot of books right now. You know, there's not a lot of stuff catching me. So I don't mind spending that four ninety nine now, like, because I'm not buying as much as I used to, you know, we used to, Chris and I, back in the day, we used to say, I spent 65, I spent 75, like, Oh, you won. And that was like a week going to the comic book shop. Like n- now, if I spend sixty dollars a week right. on comic books, no, that doesn't that hasn't happened in months. Even when there's like a there's a sale going yeah, on, not- it hasn't happened in years. Even if there's a sale going on, and I buy a bunch of stuff, it still doesn't add up to thirty bucks. Yeah, now if I'm spending 60 bucks on comics, it's because I haven't bought comics in a while, and I'm going back and be like, oh, you know what, let me add all the back issues of you know, Green detect- Lanterns that I haven't picked up and... since. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. let, let me buy all the stuff that I haven't picked up for a while, because every time I put it in my cart, it's, you know, $90. And then I'm like, uh, you know what, I, I don't need to read Green Lantern and Green Lanterns. I can, I can cut those out. I'll just keep up to date on the current stuff. And then after I get it down, that's when I'm like, at like, $30. I'm like, okay, that's a good amount to spend again. Hmm. So we'll agree to disagree that there's some stuff to be happy about looking back at. Maybe we're not looking forward as much. Uh, and I was not looking forward to this second $3 six-pack from Suncrush Brewing. And this is the grapefruit version of their Suncrush. A refreshing sparkling ale. Uh, this one, again, brewed with crushed fruit. Green tea, natural flavors, 4% ABV. It's basically the same as the Tangerine Sun Crush. Yeah, very bubbly. I could see it being crisp if I had it in the refrigerator. It's a grapefruit taste this time, but not great, not bad. It's something I'll drink. Hmm. Hmm. And a book that I'm not going to read any more of. Because I just don't care. It's not a bad book by any stretch, but this is Absolute Carnage, number one. Written by Donny Cates. Uh, pencils by Ryan Stegman. Inks by J.P. Meyer. Colors by Frank Martin. Letters is V.C. Clayton Cowles. Uh, so this book is about some weird uh, Carnage mythology that I have never known before. Apparently the alien, alien symbiotes, or symbiotes, who knows, anymore, were created by this old demon, ancient alien, that's been around since before humans, uh, created the symbiotes and wanted to keep the reign of just no life, though he was alive, and so he bred other creatures that weren't alive, but were also dead at the same time. I don't know, go see the old uh, Van Helsing movie yep. for the math on this. Uh, and they, they they then turned against him 
and imprison him on this symbiote planet, which isn't actually a planet, but just a bunch of symbiotes encaging this this demon slash. But they all have the ability to be tapped into the this symbiote god, and uh, and then you have Eddie Brock running around with his son who doesn't know that Ed Brock's his father. He thinks it's his older brother. And, like, there was some stuff in this book that I thought was kind of fun and I liked. Like, when there's, when he's sitting, like, he goes to Spider-Man for help. And then they're sitting in the diner together. And, and it's not mm-hmm. just Peter Parker. It's Spider-Man in the suit sitting at dinner with, like, at a diner with these guys. I thought that stuff was fun, going to save Osborn because Osborne is connected to the symbiont suits. I don't know, I guess. Like, the, the problem is, I think we've never... St- none of us have stayed up on any of the symbiont stuff. You know, I, I read a... Well, I, I think... No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I think the problem is we're just not fans of that, like, family of characters from Spider-Man. Like... I was not interested in this book and I considered not finishing until that moment where it was Eddie and uh, his son Dylan sitting in the diner with Spider-Man. And as soon as that moment happened, I was like, okay, like this is fun. Now I'm, I'm liking this interplay in these exchanges. Like, and then it was once they got back into the symbiote stuff, I, I stopped caring about it again. And then it was like, Oh, okay. They're going to see Osborne. Okay. Like, I didn't know he had a symbiote at one point. Okay, well, like that's fine. But I, I still didn't and care. Even at that the point. stuff with the, um, the the alternate Reed Richards that looks that looks like Professor that looks like yeah. Professor X from the Maker um, House of X. It is like. Oh no! It's it's oh oh Professor X. No, it's uh it's. No, him from the no, ultimate. I know. Yeah, he looks like he looks Reed like Richards, from House yeah. of X. Oh, Professor X because he's got the because he's, he's got, got the mask stupid. covering oh, yeah. half of his face. Uh, like I enjoyed that. Like mm-hmm. there was stuff in this book that I liked, but there wasn't. I'm I haven't been reading Venom or Carnage or Ultimate Carnage or the the White Carnage. The anti carnage, like I, I haven't kept up on it. any of that stuff to know what the hell's going on or care, but it had bits and pieces because I, I read, you know, I read Carnage's um, beginning. I read those books. I read the the Spider Man and all the Marvel Universe coming together to fight Carnage, and the Venom stuff. Like in the nineties, I liked that stuff because. It was too cool, you know? And at this point, as a a grown man, almost 40 years old, I could care less about the Venom stuff, but it touched moments in what I do like about that, or what I liked about that stuff as a kid, that I'm like, I'm, I'm torn. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't need to read anymore. But if I was presented with the next issue, I think I would read it. I wouldn't buy it, but if Paul bought it or Chris bought it, 
I. Yeah, Chris would I not would buy it. I read it, but I wouldn't buy it. I I think it's a very very good looking book, for what it is. Yeah. Like just paging through it, it's it's done like exact. Like anybody that's like, oh man, I'm super into Venom. Like from back in the day, like the Lethal Punisher, uh, Lethal Protector series. Like somebody that was out of comics and just picked this up, I think they'd be like, what? This looks awesome! And, like, would really have a fun time with this. And it's exactly what they want. Like, a whole bunch of just messy carnage, people messing up with the, you know, the teeth just flying off and, like, showing the face of Eddie Brock. And, you know, just people getting brutally beaten up. Like I, I think it has a great sense of action, a great looking venom, great body horror look of you know carnage. Um, it, it, it looks good. I think the action's good in it, but I just that's not what I come to comic books for. Like I want a really good story, and this story I just don't relate to or care about. Yeah. Agreed. I didn't. It's not bad looking. The parts of it I enjoyed. Spider-Man in the diner. It was good because that's it's mm-hmm. the character stuff. That's yeah. That's what I the go to the comic books for. And so much of it was just them trying to like backdate some sort of canon for the symbiotes and where they came from. That I just I, I just wasn't interested at that point. And I think a lot of that just draws from the fact that I don't care about Venom or Carnage, even when they were the hot thing, you know, in the 90s. I I didn't care. Yeah. I did enjoy when they went to the prison, it just becomes a horror issue. Yeah. It just becomes a horror book at that point. Like, everybody gets infected. Everybody's coming after them. They can't kill them because, you know, it's Spider-Man. You know... Like if this if that's where this book goes, like it's just a horror book after that, like I could understand the appeal. If you told me, no, Paul, it's all about just Spider Man and uh Venom like going out and getting pancakes together, I'd be like, Oh, okay, maybe I'll pick up issue two. You know me. If it's pancake breakfast with superheroes, I'm in. And that's why GSA is the best comic book ever to be written. <laughs> so, do we need to do power rankings, or are we all kind of in agreement that Venom yeah. is the bottom? Yeah. Venom's the worst. House of X, number one. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Power, power, power of X. Power. Marvel Comics 1000? See... Then Power of X. See for and me. Then? For me, it's like that's the courage. for pages I enjoyed out of the books the most. I think Powers of X would be like right underneath uh, Marvel Comics One Thousand. But I mean, if they came out with Marvel Comics One Thousand One, I probably wouldn't read that before I read Powers of X Number Two because there was enough there to propel the story forward that I cared about with Powers of X. It'd be House of X, Power of yeah. X, Marvel 1000, then Venom. Yeah, I think we all kind of agree. Yeah, like it, It's a real close toss-up between 
Marvel Comics 1000 and Power of X for me. Yeah. Um, but hope- Just because there are pages that I enjoyed from Power of X, and there's a lot of pages that I enjoyed in Marvel Comics 1000, but that's just because Marvel Comics 1000 had a lot of pages. Yeah. And hopefully you, you liked all of our pages. And by pages, I mean the, the talkings that we did. <laughs>